Twin Cities News Talk, KTLK, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. My name is Brad Omland. This is a special Twin Cities News Talk election night special. Polls have just closed about five minutes ago. We have live in studio with us tonight Kip Charles and Max Reimer from the Kip and Max Save the World podcast here to analyze all the results as they come in. We've got some unique perspectives tonight. I think we're expecting a call from a few DFL operatives that Kip and Max know. Uh, some interesting perspectives between us three here as well. I know Kip is a Palenti guy, uh, Max is a Johnson guy, and I did not vote uh, consciously on that decision tonight. So lots to talk about. We are live at a, till 11 p.m. Walter Hudson joins us at 9 p.m. for his regular scheduled closing argument. Welcome to the program tonight, Kip and Max. Thank you, Brad. It is uh, it is good to be here. It is an exciting night. It feels like we have primaries all over the place. I'm Max. I'm Kip. Kipandmax.com is our podcast, and you guys can check us out there. That was an amazing lead-in. We've got a lot to live up to here. We sure do. Brad, great job. I, I want to start with this. I think consciously not voting. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't consider myself a Democrat or a Republican particularly anyways, um, and so the idea that I could go out and vote for someone that I didn't truly feel represented my positions in either the Democratic or DFL or uh, GOP just didn't feel like a good use of my time. Um, I might be more inclined to make a decision one way or the other come the general election, but right now, there's just too many choices for me to feel like I'm making an optimal one right now. I get that. I can respect that. You know, looking at every race that we have right now, it is crazy because, Brad, you present a truly, I think, objective perspective. Kip and I, on a weekly basis, do our hack jobs. We are both involved in Republican politics. But tonight, we have a primary on both the Republican side of the aisle and the DFL side of the aisle. And I'm going to recap all of this. I mean, governor, we have two Senate seats. We have the attorney general seat, which we'll probably get into in a little while because there's been some drama around that surrounding Keith Ellison. Congressional District 1, Congressional District 5, especially on the DFL side, that gets really interesting uh, Congressional District 8, which isn't as interesting for our side of the aisle, being the Republican side of the aisle. And then Congressional District 6, which uh, Tom Emmer should be fine on our side, and the DFL only has one candidate as well. All that to be said, it's going to be a very interesting night. This is going to be an absolutely nutso evening. I, I, nobody I've talked to has solid predictions, like solid numbers right? for where almost any of these races will go. Um, and, and, think, and, and everybody's willing to believe that they're wrong. Yeah, and I think that the, however the governor's race and the attorney general's race turns out will dictate how the races in the districts go. Well, Brad, you, have, you, you and Walter have been talking about that attorney general's race all week. The revelations of Keith Ellison and this abuse claim and all of that, does it throw does it throw a wrench 
into this election? I tend to think it doesn't. I tend to think that the votes are already cast. Maybe, Kip, maybe you have a take on that. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to matter in the primary election. I think we might have a damaged candidate going into the general. Well, if anything, that might have boosted turnout in certain ways. You know, there's so Ellison has a turnout machine that he usually mobilizes in CD5. And that manifested itself, whether for his campaign or from people that he has trained, including uh, Aaron McQuaid and other activist organizers. These folks have learned how to do that turnout and do early absentee voting. And we saw the result of that in Minneapolis and in Hennepin County more broadly over the last couple of weeks. There are more early votes in this primary race than there have been in the past seven primary races combined. Combined. Wow. I think you're right that the early voting will tip the scales in favor of Keith Ellison. There may have been a late rush uh, for his opponents today. But I think the early voting will either work to his benefit or ultimately do him in here come the general election. Because it, you know, I think that he's got the primary sealed, but I'm not sure that greater Minnesota and those less inclined to politics will be as open to that domestic abuse narrative. You know, you kind of think the average middle class person who may not be paying attention to politics even until the state fair, you know, they're just the people watching the 10 p.m. news and seeing the ads that come across their screen. Um, anything related to domestic abuse is not going to go over well. Yeah, I tend to agree. And with Keith Ellison's old seat, and maybe that's a good place to start tonight, Congressional District 5, I tend to think that Ilhan Omar has a very, very similar machine to Keith Ellison in turning out votes because a lot of people have come up and said okay you have you have six you have six candidates on the DFL side one of them ran as a republican last year um some of them are less serious than other ones uh, and margaret a- anderson kelleher is probably the what i would presume to be the second place candidate to ilhan omar but people really need to take note of the implications of everything down the ballot from Ilhan Omar because she turns out votes in CD5, I think, as well as Ellison could. Yeah. Um, Margaret Anderson Kelleher, Mac, as she's affectionately called by many on her side, um, has probably the best bona fides, the credentials. Yep, to run for this race. Former Speaker of the House under Tim Pawlenty, um, back around the 2008-2010 cycle. Um, Mac has kind of gone quiet for a few years, but among your normal voting population, um, you know, 50-60 and above, I think she I think she definitely has kind of the longer-term name ID. Ilhan, however, is the bright new face. And Ilhan has been able to excite people and, and engage people on a, in a way, young people specifically, um, but also members of uh, immigrant communities, new Americans. Ilhan, Ilhan has a lot of success with that. And within the DFL, she also, um, she also really has a lot of strength within the party there. She also appeared in a Maroon 5 music video. True. 
true. Which, Absolutely. Really, yes, if you can believe that, she did appear in one of the newest Maroon 5 music videos. And listen, in CD5, a place that is uh, known for its depth of the issues and voting voting on candidates for the right reasons, uh, that could tilt the scale, scales for uh, for Ilhan Omar. She's also CD5. recently appeared in a number of other videos, notably from Laura Loomer and people of that nature, um, <laughs> giving, giving her crap about some of her past. Um, well, she married your brother. That's what they say. I'm still holding out judgment on that <laughs> one for public. Jury, jury is still, jury's out. still out in my mind. <laughs> uh, on waiting on the actual sources, but there are plenty of people who I'm sure would call in to the station tonight um, who would hold that view. Yeah, our phone number here is six five one nine eight nine five eight five five. If you'd like to give us a call, phone lines are open. I think we are expecting our first round of results here in just about one minute, according to the New York Times. Wow, that is uh here we go. We are in, I believe, for a long night across the board. Uh, the gubernatorial election, which is probably what most of you are paying attention to. It's going to be dramatic. I think that there uh, there are implications across the board to what kind of voters turn out uh, for the candidates. But here we go, you guys. This is going to be a very, very interesting night. Kip and I both talked about it off air, Brad, and we really think that something is in the air. This is not going to be as clean cut as many people would like it to be across the board no since trump's election we can't expect anything to be as clean cut as we expect it that is one dynamic that i i do find interesting especially in the gubernatorial election is you had candidates exclusively campaigning on uh anti-trump rhetoric or getting on board with pro-trump rhetoric it's almost as if this has become a, a a referendum on trump in a certain sense Breaking in one way, uh, Brian Baxt, NPR. It's a tie so far for Minnesota Gov on Twitter. Um, it's tied at zero zero. I think that's the last time we're going to see that. that the whole that's evening. your hot update. <laughs> that's what we offer tonight. That's what you can expect on our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. But do we do we give Minnesota five on the DFL side? Do we give it to Ilhan Omar? Or? I think that's I think that's yeah. the the generic general consensus opinion. Um, but things are so weird that they could really throw off because you have you have three major gubernatorial campaigns really fighting hard in that same territory. You have, uh, you know, Amy Klobuchar is kind of, you know, resting on her haunches right now. And then you've got this Tina Smith painter situation. Yeah. Right. And painter is weird because while he doesn't turn out as many of your of your, of your historically DFL activists primary voting dflers he does have a massive following on twitter and that spilled out over into the real world um his name id was very high he has regular appearances on msnbc um within that primary universe he's got pretty good cred and he's recently been able to actually make people show up in huge ways yes that's been the interesting thing for me to watch on social media specifically because a lot of what people quoted during the Donald Trump election was this intangible factor of momentum and how many people are showing up at events. And the one thing I've noticed about Richard Painter, and I don't know any numbers, quite frankly, we don't, and none of us know any numbers 
I'm not that, aware of any polling that's been seriously no. done between Dean Smith and Painter. It's all been general election focus. Yes, nothing that matters. But certainly, this Richard Painter, and he, quite frankly, and you all know this is our audience. He is running on a very just anti-Trump ticket. We need to we need to move forward with the impeachment mm-hmm. process. We need to basically reverse that everything everything that Trump has done as president because his presidency is illegitimate in the first place he's running on that ticket and i have noticed that he is getting a remarkable turnout we're starting to get some results coming in um we've got uh we've got doug wardlow with attorney uh, general candidate on the 132 precincts coming in right now um sharon anderson's doing 31% 31% to 49. Um, Keith Ellison has got a very strong commanding lead. Wow. Uh, need to look at, uh, obviously, this is just the first couple precincts out of 4,000 on statewide races. Um, but just out of the gate, we're seeing we're seeing some stuff differentiate pretty quickly. Here. Yes, it's really interesting to watch the Attorney General uh, returns come in already. Attorney General 132 out of 4,000-plus precincts, so this is a very small number, but what we can tell you is Keith Ellison has already doubled his lead to Deborah Hillstrom, the next leading candidate. Matt Pelican lead, or, uh, pulling up the rear. Matt, Kel- Matt Pelican is the endorsed candidate on the DFL side, and it's uh, it's not looking good for him as of right now. Well, this from the New York Times. We've also got gubernatorial numbers in. Tim Walls with the lead on the Democratic side, 41 to 32 with 126 uh, precincts reporting. And on the Republican side, we've got Jeff Johnson, 55% with Tim Pawlenty, 42.7%. We can get your thoughts on that after the break. We've got Kip and Max in from the Kip and Max Save the World podcast. Your calls welcome 651-989-5855. My name is Brad Omland. This is your special election night coverage on Twin Cities News Talk. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130, 103.5 FM. This is your special primary election night coverage. My name is Brad Omland. In studio tonight, we have Kip Charles and Max Reimer from the Kip and Max Save the World podcast. The first numbers are in on both the gubernatorial elections and the attorney general. Your thoughts, Kip and Max? It's young. The night is still young. My name is Kip. I am joined by my part. My name is Max. I am joined by... (laughs) You can tell that the radio is making me nervous. I'm Max. I'm Kip Christensen. And we run Kip and Max Save the World, as Brad mentioned, kipandmax.com. We are covering your election tonight, and we do have the first round of reporting. Any surprises thus far, Kip? Um, I'm I'm not going to say there's any surprises. There's only 253 precincts in so far. Um, About 6%. I'm waiting to figure out where these actually are coming from, uh, and that takes a little bit of playing around in uh, in Excel uh, to figure that out. Where right the votes the are coming from? W- w- where exactly these precincts uh, are that are reporting currently? This is looks like uh, Blue Earth County, okay, or whatever the county is right above Blue Earth County, yeah. um, and then all all of the northern and Basically, all the counties on top of surrounding Hennepin County and Washington County, it looks like. They're already in. Um, okay. So, yeah, or Washington County is in, um, Anoka County, Hennepin County, 
Nicollet County and Meeker County are the ones reporting right now. Oh, and Wilkin County. Wilkin County's out way out west on the North Dakota South Dakota border. Um, that one has also come in. Prior to us taking a break, we were talking about Congressional District 5, which is Keith Ellison's old district. Now Ilhan Omar and Margaret Anderson Kelleher seem to be the two front runners in that specific congressional district, with about 26% reporting, according to Rob Doerr's website, and they are pulling from a number of different sources. Ilhan Omar is leading by about 11% in that race. Uh, we talked about Minneapolis earlier, and what we had talked about specifically was the dramatic increase in turnout uh, within Minneapolis. This is a product, I think, of the anti-Trump resist type movement, but we saw, Kip had made mention before, that there were a number of statistics cited that said this primary election in terms of early voting, has eclipsed the total early voting of the last, Kip, was it five or seven elections combined? Yeah, last seven elections combined, just an early vote in Hennepin County, um, which is massive. Imagine that. Well, and it's the easiest way to make sure you can lock in your voters. Um, you get them as early as possible. Ballots were mailed at the end of June to these folks right. if you were signed up in advance. Um, if a campaign... If a campaign is able to, uh, they will get a list from the Secretary of State, updated, I think, every week on Thursday, that tells them who specifically has already voted absentee. And if you know you've got those people on your list, you can really browbeat those individuals. Um, if they haven't if they haven't turned in their absentee ballot and you don't think they're going to actually show up this Tuesday today, um, you can put them on a separate list and really push them to do absentee. I know a lot of the unions were working very hard on absentee voting a couple weeks ago and probably months and months and months ago. Um, and that is one of the ways that they get less likely lower propensity voters to show up and actually make their voices heard. Yeah, and we believe that is working to the favor of Keith Ellison tonight. We've got some reaction on that topic on the phones. 651-989-5855 is the number to call tonight. We've got Doug in Lakeville. Hey, Doug. Doug, welcome to the show. Doug, you sound like you're in a fishbowl. Doug. Oh, no, he's... Uh, we'll have to push him in on the studio there. Um, mine doesn't work, otherwise it just brings me on uh, speakerphone. Okay. Well, as you can all tell tonight, I am a uh, radio expert, as is Kip, because we have no idea <laughs> how to get Doug in studio. That's all right. I'll show you guys over the break, and we can uh, start taking calls next segment. Great, thanks. You know, it, it would be interesting to hear from you all. Brad had mentioned the, the phone number before. We would like to get your take on the governor's election, on this Keith Ellison situation. There are so many topics that tend to bubble up right around election time. It's one of the things that I just found interesting about this whole Keith Ellison situation was, quite frankly, the the timing of it. Now, Kip, Kip has certain... Uh, and. Uh, hands, I guess you could say, in DFL circles for a number of different reasons. And Kip, what are you hearing about this Keith Ellison situation? Do you think it's going to be a legitimate threat to to his general election prospects? It looks like he is doing very well uh, thus far early in the night. Really only 10% of precincts reporting um, for attorney general. Um, 
I don't think it's going to hamper him, certainly tonight, um, based on what we're seeing coming back so far. Now, for his general prospects, remains to be seen. This story just broke the last on right. Sunday night. like, And it wasn't even really picked up by the media until Monday morning. All right, here we go. Doug in Lakeville. What's up, Doug? Hello. Good afternoon. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. How are you doing? What do you think, Doug? Uh, I've got a, uh, just an observation I've made all through these last eight years. Uh, when Governor Dayton is up on the uh, on the podium making speeches, seems like there's care officials behind them constantly uh, as to think that uh, you better say what we're telling you to say. And I wonder if that's uh, across the board, if that happens in other sanctuary states, that care, care is part of our government now. And uh, if this egg, egg job gets filled by Keith Ellison, He's not going to be there to uh, promote American laws. He's going to be there to change things, and that's my firm belief in that. Well, Doug, what exactly do you mean that care is part of our government? Well, I think they're heavily influenced in sanctuary states. I think they add a lot of money. They take a lot of, uh, uh, pass out a lot of tokens to people, per se. And I think if you don't do what they say to do because Obama set up these things, uh, care comes down on the government. Look at look at every speech he's done. There's always care officials standing behind him as to, like you you know, think that you better say what we're telling you to say or else you know. Well, Doug, thanks for uh, thanks for the phone call. Do you have any hot hot predictions tonight? Do you have any? That's okay. We're not going to ask him that question. That was uh, that that is setting the tone for the rest of the night. Uh, Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Here we go. Should be interesting. Uh, we just had a caller, uh, Doug, and I would have been interested to see how he voted. Yeah, uh, who claimed that uh, Mark Dayton had care officials? I really wanted to hear a lot more about that. What, what is care? I don't even gosh. know that. <laughs> care is the uh, Center of American and Islamic Relations. It uh, is a uh, it is a lobbying group for Islamic interests in the United States, Islamic American interests in the United States, and it is certainly. Uh, it's got its uh it, it, people can certainly blame them for certain things but i think ten, people tend to make them a a boogeyman of sorts uh all that to be said that was uh that was interesting however doug there was a nugget of interesting factoid that we could talk about in your call and i think that is this Keith Ellison race and the fact that republicans have not controlled the attorney general seat in since 1962. I was just about to say, in about 50 years. So there is a certain amount of gunk that's probably caught up in that seat right now that it would be interesting to have a Republican sitting in it to see what all has been accumulated from a corruption perspective. And we're, we're now hearing the stories of Lori Swanson and what she did from a campaign perspective. How she did it exactly the same as Mike Hatch, and I'm sure Mike Hatch did it the same as the person before Mike Hatch. You know, we're watching, we're, we're watching the, the curtain get drawn open on what goes on behind this highly politicized office over the last right. 60 years. Well, the uh, chickens may be coming home to roost for Lori Swanson. She is third between Walls, Murphy, and herself uh, right now with... 10% of precincts reporting. We have Walls with 41%, Murphy with 36%, and Swanson with 21%. More on the latest of what is coming in on your primary night here on Twin Cities News Talk. My name is Brad Omland, Kip and Max from the Kip and Max Save the World podcast. More next on Twin Cities News Talk.
Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. This is your special edition primary election night with closing of closing argument with Walter Hudson. My name is Brad Omland. In studio tonight, we've got uh, Kip Christensen and Max Reimer of the Kip and Max Save the World podcast. Hello. Walter Hudson joins us at 9 p.m. Your call is welcome at 651-989-5855. What are the latest we're seeing on the maps? So what we want to cover with you all is we want to go through race by race, at least the ones that we're watching and the latest numbers that we have on them. So right now for the gubernatorial election, you have Jeff Johnson and Donna Bergstrom leading 55% over Tim Pawlenty and Michelle Fishbach, who have 42%. That is with about 12% reporting. As of right now, we have Aaron Murphy and Aaron May Quaid in a, in a really close election with Tim Walls and Peggy Flanagan. The Aarons have 36%. Tim Walls and Peggy Flanagan, again, this is with 12% reporting, have 41%. So there's a 5% difference there. There appears to be a 13% different difference on the Republican side of the election. Getting over to the Senate seat, seats that we have uh, in terms of a primary, you have Jim Newberger cleaning up 74% with 11% reporting. Amy Klobuchar, it should surprise no one, she has almost 100% uh, with 11% reporting. On the Republican side, for that Al Franken seat, we have uh, Karen Housley, who is leading with 69%. Bob Anderson, who is leading with 29%. Not leading. Or, trailing. Not leading. Trailing with 29%. And Bob Anderson, I think he is surprising some folks in that election with how high a number that is. Tina Smith on the DFL side is cleaning the clock of Richard Painter, which is somewhat of a surprise to me. Tina Smith has 76%. Richard Painter has 14% with 13% reporting. You're probably losing money on that, aren't you, Max? I uh, I don't think I bet any money on that. <laughs> I am I am surprised with how how poorly Richard Painter is doing. Sure. The attorney general seat on the Republican side, you have Doug Wardlow with over fifty percent. That is fourteen percent reporting. Is it enough of a hot take to say that Richard Painter is a dumpster fire right now? It appears that way. Okay. It is. It appears that way. Keith Ellison is cleaning up fifty four percent, fifty five percent compared to his opponent with fourteen percent reporting. We are also uh, monitoring closely some House districts that are going to be close. We have HD thirty four A, and that I believe is up in the Maple Grove area. Kristen Robbins is leading Brad Ganser sixty one percent to thirty nine percent, and that is with sixty four percent reporting. So that one is going to be. Very close. Uh, HD31B, Cal Barr is defeating Tom Hackbarth. So a little bit of backstory on that. Tom Hackbarth was the representative from that district a couple cycles ago. Cal Barr challenged him, um, received the endorsement, um, fought it out, and now Cal Barr is the incumbent with the backing of HRCC and uh, associated organizations. Tom Hackbarth is coming in from the outside at this point. Okay, and you know, I think most people, especially on the conservative end of the spectrum, would say Cal Barr has done a pretty good job in his freshman year at the state level. Really impressed a lot of people, yeah. We're going to skip over a couple of the other House districts. Uh, CD1, it's not close. Jim Hagedorn, it looks like, is uh, is pulling away, and that's with 7% reporting. Jim Hagedorn has 66% to Carla Nelson's 24%. You might actually nope. have a chance to win in the general election. Uh, my friends and I joked that that's my home territory, and my okay. friends and I always joked that uh, Jim Hagedorn was uh, Henry Clay. Because he kept uh, running and just kept losing, but this year might be he's his year. He's really got a shot. Out. Yeah, he's really got a shot with an open seat. That's 
That's a big deal. And uh, on the DFL side for that CD1 primary, Dan Fian looks like he is going to run away with this thing. Uh, CD5, we talked about it earlier in the night. 73% reporting, so this one is just about wrapped up. Jennifer Zielinski, who is our Republican-endorsed candidate in CD5, is is at uh, 56%. And listen, uh, Ilhan Omar on the DFL side is leading Margaret Anderson Kelleher by 16%. She is at 47%. Margaret Anderson Kelleher is at 31%. So that one is looking like it is trending in a direction that we certainly thought it was going to go in. CD6, not close. Tom Emmer uh, is looking like he's going to pull away in his primary. It should not surprise anyone. With 31% reporting, he's at 81%. And then we get into CD8. Pete Stauber, who the president has stumped for, the vice president has stumped for, is at 93% over his opponent. And then on the DFL side, Joe Radinovich is at 44%. This is only with 2% reporting over his opponent, Michelle Lee. That is your recap for tonight's elections. It looks like we have some elections that are being decided right now and some that are a little bit more competitive. And historically, those CD8 range votes are the last to come in. You know, there's there's a number of geographic factors at play there. Um, St. Louis County is a massive county. It actually takes, you, you have to drive those ballots down to Duluth. Um, and so it, it just takes a physically longer period of time to get there. Yeah, I hear they rely um, on old technology. Up Cal there. Bar has been announced as the winner, I'm hearing uh, from some direct messages. Um, also in Shakopee, 55A, this is a surprise to me, um, the incumbent Bob Lunin um, is 86% to 14% Lunin is trailing behind Eric Mortensen with 21% reporting, according to the New York Times. Wow, that is, uh, those are numbers that I am not seeing yet from my two different sources. You know, following that election pretty closely, and we have a lot of elections that are on the ticket tonight, but 55A in Shakopee, it was really interesting to see the kind of groundswell that Eric Mortensen put together there. Eric Mortensen is a pretty strong liberty candidate. Um, very libertarian in nature. And Bob Lunin is the incumbent by all intents and purposes. He was a popular incumbent. But Bob Lunin, it appeared, had some baggage uh, in his closet. There was a recent uh, DWI, a campaign finance violation, and most of the establishment-type Republicans seemed to be backing Bob Lunin. Eric Mortensen, it appeared to me, put together a very strong groundswell campaign in 55A. Again, that's Shakopee. I thought that race is going, to, and it's there's still a lot to be decided. We don't exactly see right here which precincts those are that are in. Um, it could be the most favorable ones to Mortensen, um, just because of the nature of that ground campaign. Um, however... However, I predicted that to be much, much, much closer, um, given the fact that Lunin uh, was in a similar situation in 2014 and very, very narrowly beat the endorsed candidate as the incumbent. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of who is picking the candidates in that uh, what partisan demographics you could say are coming out uh, in support of their candidates. We've got a call to that uh, effect here. Mike from Farmington, our regular caller to closing argument. Welcome to the program. Hello, Mike. Hello, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. And um, can you hear me all right? Yes, please? sir. Absolutely. Okay, Okay. great. I guess I, I, I kind of look at this maybe like high school hockey, you know, where 
everybody's on the board and you start getting matchups. And as you move forward, you know, there's obviously certain people you want to play against or go up against. I'm wondering if throughout the night, if you're going to highlight that those candidates that want to see certain people make it to the general. But I'd also like to get your comments on things like, such as the, the, Palen- the Palenti old guard republicanism. And I don't know if Jeff Johnson is this Trumpism, if you will, or not. But I, some of his issues seem to lean that way. And also, I'd like to know if, the, if what we see tonight, if the Democrats will continue their descent into hell of, hey, we're going to tax you a lot and we're going to throw money at people that don't work and we're going to promise you all this stuff. Mike, thanks for the call. We're, I, we're I, watching that march towards democratic socialism and Ocasio-Cortez. We are. We are. And and I think a lot of it has to do with in 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 2010, for instance, the Tea Party movement. You had Republican candidates that were getting primary. You had Republican candidates that were moving further to the fiscal right. What you're seeing now is you are seeing a Democrat party that is moving towards that Alexandria Ocasio Cortez type model of moving further and further and further to the left. However, one of those things resonates with reality and normal Minnesotans and normal people more than the other. I I tend to think that as these candidates move further and further left to try and advance their Democrat political careers, they're going to move further and further away from what is reality and what is the plight of normal people. And Mike, to your point, I think think we will get into matchups as we start to see Uh, Some of these races materialize a little bit more. We're still very young in the night. Um, Many of these races have gotten called already. However, most of the races are between 12 and 17% reporting. Well, it's interesting to see uh, geography-wise where the votes are coming from. If you look at the map on the New York Times website, uh, Jeff Johnson pretty much has all of suburban Twin Cities, but then Paul Lenti has... Uh, Ramsey County, Dakota County, Scott County, and a lot from outstate. And then on the Democratic side of things, uh, it looks like Aaron Murphy has kind of the south and east metro, whereas Walls has the more blue-collar metro counties, you could call, kind of the northern counties, and then some outstate support too, whereas Lori Swanson is kind of coming in on onesies and twosies almost across. There's no real pattern to it yet i would say it's kind of just that south center the kind of the very central part of the state is going for laurie swanson i think it's real important to note however when you are looking at that map it's a really nice visual aid however unless you hover over the county and see within that county which of the precincts are coming in um you know hennepin is you know a little bit over three quarters in um scott county only has three of 47 precincts reporting um, Dakota County, 20 of 140. Like this is still ex- in Ramsey County, the one that the Ramsey County that Pelenny's currently leading in. There's only 35 votes there. It's early, folks. And and listen, we have a radio show to do tonight. We are going to give you live updates. We are going to give commentary. We're going to give you some interesting factoids about each one of these races. But listen, it's still early. We have a long night, and it's looking in particular on the DFL side with a gubernatorial election and what's going to be our side as well. We're going to have a long time to talk about these things. I will prompt the question. Mike did as well. 
I'm interested. Let's talk gubernatorial election for a little while here. I'm interested to to, to hear from both of you uh, what the Republican candidates bring to the table, Tim Pawlenty versus Jeff Johnson. It seemed to me, at least monitoring social media, that Jeff Johnson was this grassroots candidate and he had the support of a lot of the activists. The number one justification for Tim Pawlenty seemed to be that he could fundraise and win. How do we think they actually stack up against this DFL sure. field? Yeah, let's uh, take that question on the other side of the break. Certainly. This is your special election night coverage here on Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. Walter Hudson joins us here in about 12 minutes at the top of the hour. My name is Brad Omland. We've got Kip Christensen and Max Reimer from the Kip and Max Save the World podcast. More of your reaction next is welcome at 651-989-5855. Twin Cities News Talk, AM 1130 and 103.5 FM. This is your special primary election night coverage. My name is Brad Omland. In studio tonight we have Kip Christensen and Max Reimer of the Kip and Max Save the World podcast. Some interesting results coming in so far. What's the latest? It looks like we have a few races that have been called tonight, uh, especially on the Senate side. We have Amy Klobuchar, and that should be no surprise to anyone. The New York Times just called her race. She has won her primary against Steve Carlson, who I believe wrapped naked uh, one year for for one of his races, which was weird. Jim Newberger's race just got called. Jim Newberger won his primary. It looks... Like Karen Housley, uh, they called her race as well uh, for her Senate seat over Bob Anderson. Bob Anderson overperformed in that race, it looks like. Tina Smith's race has been called. She are. has crushed 76 Richard to 14% so far. We, and listen, that's with only 22% right. reporting, but it is trending even worse for Richard Painter. So a legitimate, at least it looked like, opponent for Tina Smith has gotten crushed tonight in the primary. No other races up to this point have been called, and we have a couple of close races, but uh, on the gubernatorial side, it appears that Tim Walls is still leading narrowly over the Aaron Murphy ticket. Jeff Johnson has a bigger lead than I think most people expected with 22% reporting, 54% to 43%. One of our winners joins us on the phone right now. We've got Jim Newberger on the line. Jim, congratulations, sir. Well, thank you. I uh, just uh, it's a, a wonderful night. Uh, it's a good night for uh, the Republican Party and it's a good night for the conservatives here in Minnesota and uh, uh, we worked really hard for a year for this and uh, we just look forward to getting into the general election. Jim, you're you have the prospect of taking on Amy Klobuchar. How do you how do you plan on contrasting your message with Amy's come the general election? I I know it's it's time for celebration tonight, mm-hmm. but you still got to think about that general election and come November what it's going to look like for you. Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And you know, Senator Klobuchar, uh, we went head to head last week at Farm Fest. Uh, there's if you go on my Facebook page, uh, we've got the uh, we have the debate, uh, the forum that we had uh, on Facebook, and there is a distinct difference between the two of us. And Minnesotans, uh, they're ready to look past uh, images, and they're really they're ready to look at issues. Uh, and there's two, there's two big issues that I really uh, stress when it comes to Senator Klobuchar. Uh, number one is is that I believe personally 
I, I personally believe that she uh, she hates Donald Trump more than she loves America. And given the opportunity, she will she will work to impeach him uh, at any chance she gets. So if folks want to protect Donald Trump, um, the best way to do that right now uh, is to vote Jim Newberger for U.S. Senate, because I will work with Donald Trump, not against him. I, I like his plan for our country. Um, I think that uh, we are seeing prosperity like we haven't seen since the Reagan years, and I want to see that uh, continue, whereas Senator Klobuchar, uh, she'll work against that uh, wholeheartedly. The other thing is that Senator Klobuchar, she's been in office for 12 years, 12 years. She wants six more. That's 18 years uh, in the swamp. And uh, as I travel around the state and I talk to folks and I ask them, Straight up, I say, don't you think 18 years is a bit much for anybody to be in D.C.? And I've yet to have anyone tell me no. <laughs> um, so Senator Klobuchar has got a lot working against her. Uh, she's got the issues against her. Um, and I think that we're going to do really well. And we can win this. This is absolutely a winnable race. Uh, we're just going to have to keep working hard, and we're going to pound it out and get it done. Jim, this is Kip Christensen. I'm really excited to see the energy that your campaign's putting forward. Um, you guys have been you guys have been absolutely everywhere. I'm really impressed with your team. Um, being able, I know how difficult that scheduling component is. Um, you know, you've you've put on some serious miles. For those that might not have that might be listening but haven't met you yet, what's your next step? Where are you going? Um, and and what's and what's that key issue that gets people excited about your race? Well, thanks, Kip. Yeah, I mean, we are a high octane, highly caffeinated. <laughs> um, uh, we've been everywhere and we'll go anywhere type of campaign. And the issues, uh, the thing that we are really pushing is, is the distinctive difference. Uh, issues like refugee resettlement, I, I think we need to shut the program down and fix it. Uh, taxes, um, Senator Klobuchar has been a champion for higher taxes. Um, I'm just the exact opposite. Uh, she's been fighting for Obamacare. Now they call it Medicare for All, a $30 trillion program. Where are we going to pay for that? We don't have the money for that. But she pushes for that, and I'm saying, no, this is the death of our country if we keep uh, stay on that on that path, because we don't have $32 trillion uh, approximately to pay for that. It's probably going to be more than that. Um, we just keep pushing the issues. We put that out in front uh, of the voters, and they're going to make the right choice. The other, um, the other uh, component that we're dealing with, Kip, is, is this whole nice factor. Well, you know, people, right. uh, you know, they say, well, she's so nice. Well, my response to that is pretty simple. Uh, if you go uh, to Politico, uh, Politico is a Washington media outlet. Uh, they rank the worst bosses uh, in Washington. Right, I saw that. Work for. <laughs> yeah, and they, uh, she is, um, she's been ranked as the worst person, the worst boss in the Senate to work for. Uh, in Washington D.C., and it's based on how many people quit. She's got a really high turnover. Uh, yeah, yeah, she has a very high turnover, and they only count the senior level staff. They don't count the junior level staff because usually that's you know kind of a revolving door for folks that are trying to you know get ahead. Um, but this is all senior level staff, people that have left. So um, who she is in D.C. and who she is at home, they, they just don't line up. Yeah, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna let folks know. Um, this is not just my opinion; those are the facts. Thank you so much, Jim. We've got a hard break coming up here. In DFL circles, everyone says, friends don't let friends work for Amy. I've heard that 
probably dozens of times at this point. Um, and I hope that you can help those DFL operatives never have to work for Amy Klobuchar again. Say, Jim. Oh, amen. Everyone, from what I hear, people uh, say that everyone loves Amy until they work for her. <laughs> right. Well, hey, Jim, before we let you go, how can people get involved in your campaign or find out more about who you are? Sure. Uh, just go to my website. It's Jim4, that's F-O-R, Jim4, com. Jim Newberger, who is now going to be on your November ticket as the Republican candidate as a United States senator representing Minnesota. Jim Newberger, thank you again for joining Kip. And, well, it'll be, uh, it's not our show, Kip. It's going to be Walter's show <laughs> it'll again be Walter's very, very show. soon. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thanks, Jim. Thanks so much. Stay on the phones here. We've yeah. got Mike in Prior Lake. Mike, thanks for joining us. You know, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a little upset that the painter won't be in that general election. That would have been one hell of an uh, interesting commercial to see the uh, sequel to The Dumpster Fire. <laughs> well, I think we're seeing the sequel to The Dumpster Fire right now. It's happening in real time right now, Mike. <laughs> now, Mike, my, my quick question, I'll hang up and uh, listen to the, you guys discuss it, but uh, what do you think the uh, impact is for people who are sort of mixing it up and voting for the candidates in parties that they're not normally going to vote for? Uh, I myself... Uh, I voted on the Democrat side because I wanted to mix it up and see Whoa. if uh, interesting characters Breaking. come across, like Mr. Painter, Mr. Ellison, and such. And you know, so some of these larger spreads are sort of artificial, if you will. Yeah. We've only got 30 seconds here left, Mike. Thank you so much. Um, the impact is you, I guess. Um, I haven't heard about it much, and I don't think it happens all that often. This is the this is the Rush Limbaugh Operation Chaos mechanism that it's Mike so is crazy. employing. And listen. I got to tell you, it was tempting for me to to vote on that Murphy ticket because I would love to see them on the November general election. Now coming out of the bunker, Operation Chaos. Coming Max, the- save the world. Thanks for joining us. Walter Hudson's going to head off the show next. See you guys.